We're in the season of Advent, which Michelle Dodson did a great job last week kind of setting up and and reminding us what Advent is. Advent is the season where we remember that there was a time when people were anticipating the Messiah, when the Messiah hadn't come yet. There was a time when people were longing for their rescuer, their Lord, their Christ to come. So Advent is the season when we look backwards and the season when we look forward and we are reminded that we too are a people who wait. We await Christ's coming again. Advent positions us, as Michelle said last week, to live in this tension, a tension of God having come in Jesus and waiting and longing and praying for God to come again. Are you with me so far? Okay. So we live in this, uh, this tension, and this is the season that we're sitting in together as a church as we lead up to Christmas morning. One of the characteristics, I think, that comes with living in this tension of the looking backwards and the looking forwards is the conviction, the deep conviction, that our lives actually matter. Something about living in this tension, remembering that Jesus came, remembering that Jesus will come again, I think raises in me at least this conviction that our lives really matter. Not someday, but now. You see, because the Messiah has rescued us from our sins, because the Messiah confronted the unjust and corrupt powers of this world, because the Messiah resurrected victoriously over the very sources of this world's suffering, because the Messiah will complete his victory and establish his righteous rule. Because of these convictions, which are at the very center of our faith, we rightly expect that our lives matter now. The Son of God has accomplished much on our behalf. And so we are right, I think, to expect that because the Messiah has come, because Jesus came and will come again, our lives are to be defined by purpose, love, adventure, Mercy, sacrifice, generosity, wonder, abundance, joy, self-control, intimacy, peace, justice, delight, and on and on it goes. These are the kinds of life, kinds of lives that we are made for, the kinds of lives that are available to us because of what Christ has accomplished for us. Yet, Yet, I think if most of us are honest with ourselves, we carry with us the suspicion that in reality our lives are actually just very, very average. Our time is spent just trying to push through to the end of the quarter, balancing midterms and exams, trying to remain patient with a child who will not sleep through the night. Anybody, anybody, anybody? Managing mounting credit card debt. Our lives are consumed with the mundane details of life. And so there is, I think, for some of us, this conflict, this interior conflict with how we expect to live as a result of what Jesus has done for us and how we actually live on a day-to-day basis. Are you with me? You know what I'm saying? So what do we do with this? What do we do with this conflict that results in living in this tension between what Christ has done and what Christ will do? Well, here's what I do, and and, and what many 
do as well, because I hear you use this language in conversations. We try to return to normal. We try to get back to normal, not average. Some of us here won't think average, think mundane. No, normal. The, the kind of normal that you and I draw from our memory of what a good life is supposed to be like, the kind of life that we expect to lead, that's normal. We pull from our family memory, from our cultural memory, from our historical memory. We pull from the memory of who I am. We pull from these places and kind of create a normal. And if I could just get back to that normal, if I could just return to normal, then, then I would be resolving some of this conflict. How many times... Have you thought this or said this? Once things get back to normal. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Once things get back to normal. This is a human instinct in us, I think. It's one that the, uh, the Israelites actually experienced as well. Uh, Michelle last week reminded us about the time of exile when the nation of Israel, when the children of Israel were conquered by the Babylonians, by the Assyrians, by the Persians, and they experienced exile. Some of them fled to Egypt. Some of them were taken into exile to Babylon, and the poorest of the poor were left in Jerusalem to fend for themselves. The city walls broken down. They were in exile. And so you can imagine for them the desire to return to get back to how things are supposed to be. And so I want to read our first passage this morning, and I invite you to read it with me. Psalm chapter 85 verses 1 through 2, and then jumping ahead to verse 8 through the end of the chapter. And listen here, watch here, this longing, this desire to get back to normal. Read with me. You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. I don't know if you caught it, but there's three times in this passage where the psalmist references the land. This is a literal desire to get back to the land, the promised land, the land that summarized, that captured Israel's identity, God's promise, their vocation, their calling as a people. If we can get back to that, if we can return to that normal, and so what is that normal? What, what are they imagining? What are they trying, hoping, longing, praying to get back for? Well, like us, they're drawing from a memory of something. Normal is a time of peace and prosperity. Normal is a land, as God said, flowing with milk and honey. Normal is a time when the Israelites were faithful to their calling and by extension experienced the favor of their God. And the hope, of course, is if, that if we could just return to normal, then, then, 
we would experience life as it was meant to be lived. If I could just be the kind of man that would have made my father proud, if I could just claim enough of my cultural roots to ground me in my history, if I could just get the promotion and recognition that would justify grandparents' sacrifice, if I could balance between parenting, work, being married, then my birth would be proven. In other words, if I could just get back to normal, if I could just return to normal, then I would experience the sort of life for which I was made, the sort of life that would be possible, that ought to be possible if Jesus really came and really will come again. So let me just lay on the bad news real clearly. (laughs) There's no such thing as normal. There is no normal to return to. The reason I know this is because that the memory that you have, that I have, that the Israelites had of normal was wrong. You have a very bad memory. I have a very bad memory. Memory. See, for the Israelites, returning to normal meant returning to an idealized, a romanticized past. A time when they faithfully lived out their calling as God's people and experienced the favor of God. If we could just return to that normal. They didn't want to return to the real normal, to the historical normal. They weren't longing to return to a time of idolatry and oppressive kings, a time of prophetic warnings and nations being divided. This is, this is what actually happened, but this is not what they desired to return to. We share their problem. The deep desire to return to normal, to, do, to live lives of peace and prosperity and purpose This desire is actually at odds with life as we have actually experienced it. Our memory stinks. And so we find ourselves, I think, living within a loop where we strive to return to normal only to find, to remember why we moved away from that normal in the first place. This is tragic, of course, because the desire to return to normal is itself a good expression, an expression of a deeper desire, a longing to live the kind of life that God has asked us to live. And so beneath the Israelites' desire to return to their land, to return to normal, is the deep and very good desire to live as the people God called them to be. And so, so if, it is, uh, if, 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 if it is our memory of normal that has given us some sense of how our lives are meant to be lived, and if that memory is faulty, is wrong, then what? Then what are our options? I think we get a, a glimpse of this in our, our next passage in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. As Michelle mentioned last, Isaiah is a prophet during the time of exile, speaking the words of God to people who are in exile. Again, this is another long passage. I want you to, to read this with me. And now listen, listen, listen. 
to where the hope lies of stepping outside of this kind of endless cycle of trying to return to normal and then being disappointed once again with what normal life is actually like. Be with me. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly. God will rescue his people. This is clear. God is going to rescue people. He comes in power. His mighty arm rules. He tends his flock. But God is not content with normal. This rescue is not a return to an idealized past. God's rescue deals with reality. He says, you are like grass that withers. It's not a compliment. All of your faithful attempts are like flowers that fade away. Also, God is dealing not with fantasy, but with reality, with how things are, with how we've actually experienced life. And perhaps this is why so many of us are frustrated with the way our lives are going. We are attempting to build lives of significance, of meaning, of contentment, with building materials that wither and fade. So not only is our memory of what normal life like idealized and impossible, our attempts to return into that normal will always expose our inability, our weakness, our frailty, the impossibility of actually getting there. 
So God sees the suffering of his exiled people and he knows of their desire to return to normal. But he understands that any returning to normal will only lead to more suffering. So instead of looking back at the broken normal of the past, God instead points forward. What does he say? Prepare the way of the Lord. This is a looking forward to something new that God is going to do. Prepare the way of the Lord and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it. The glory of the Lord. I don't know what you hear when you hear this phrase, the glory of the Lord. Can we agree that there is nothing normal about the glory of the Lord? Nothing normal about the glory of the Lord. When Moses encountered God in his glory, do you remember the story? His face shone so brightly that people were afraid to come near him. He had to wear a veil over his face. Jesus is transfigured on the mountaintop with some of his disciples there. One of the gospel writers records that his face was like the sun. Another writer says, and his clothing was like lightning. There is nothing normal about the glory of the Lord. And this, Isaiah says, is the way forward. This is what God will reveal. Not returning to our past, to our normal, but breaking in to our reality in glory and power and majesty. John, in his gospel, chapter 1, verse 14, he says this, he says, The Word, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, became flesh. Became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And then he says, We have seen His glory. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And because that we have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In the presence of the Messiah, encountering the glory of God, normal dies. There's nothing normal about God taking flesh and dwelling with us in His glory. Here's the good news. Your desire, my desire for a life that matters, it's a good desire and it's a possible desire. It is possible for us to live lives of purpose that matter now. Whatever our track record, whatever your record with this, it is possible. But it will not be achieved by attempts at reclaiming what you think normal life is supposed to look like. There is no building a better life with withering grass and fading flowers. It will crumble in your hand. But, what happens when we trade our attempts at normal life 
What happens when we trade this for an encounter with the glory of God? What happens then? It sounds simple, right? Why don't more of us do this? Why don't more of us live this way? Why, why don't we more quickly step off this sort of treadmill, this loop, trying to get back to something that never actually satisfies us? Why, why, why don't we just dwell with the Messiah who has come to dwell among us? Why? Sounds so easy, so simple. I think it's simply because we cannot control the glory of God. You have no control over the Messiah. You have no say, no will, no ability to manipulate, to change. And so because of this, many of us have chosen the futility of withering grass and fading flowers after and experiencing the glory of God. I speak for myself when I say that we would rather pursue an impossible, a fantastical normal than live within the consuming fire of our transforming God. At least I still have what I think is control. Uh, three years ago, Maggie and I lived in uh, what is considered one of the wealthiest suburbs in our country. And um, I was a, an associate pastor at a church. It was growing rapidly. We had just built a pretty nice, comfortable, climate-controlled building. <laughs> State-of-the-art microphones. I had a, a really nice office that wasn't in my guest bedroom at home. You know what I'm saying? I had, you know, basically a 40-hour work week. I could pretty much get most of ministry done between 9 to 5. I had been uh, uh, told uh, by, by some of the leaders in our church that I would eventually be the senior pastor of this church that really was and is an emerging uh, mega church in the suburbs. And then, and then God redirected and called away from a church, that community that I loved, to New Community Covenant Church in Logan Square. And then a year later, pushing out of New Community in Logan Square, at least I had an office. to help you start the church in Bronzeville. And can I say that over the past three years, there have been very few normal moments in my life. Anybody relate to that? I would love to say, and it's just been awesome. I just, center of God's will, just love it. Just, my wife goes to church here so she can tell you that is not always true. There have been many moments I have said, I want to go back to normal. And all of that symbolizes for me. I want to return to how things were. I want normal life. 
Maybe a month ago, three weeks ago, I happened to be driving by this church. Uh, and I keep up with them there. I know how ministries go through an amazing thing. It's continuing to grow, just uh, having a, a significant presence um, in the western suburbs. Uh, and I, I was reminded that uh, I, I don't want to go back to normal. As good as normal was, it wasn't as good as I remember it being. I remember the year of transition as we were discerning God's call whether to stay there or move. I remember painful it was to consider having to stay. Not because we didn't like it, not because we weren't welcome, not because it wasn't a community, but because God was asking us to be somewhere different. Calling us, sending us somewhere else. And so despite I enjoyed we were, there was this real deep sense that if I'm here, I'm not, not encountering the glory of God in the way that I'm being invited to encounter. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So normal out the window. But in the process, I'm transformed. In the process, my issues are in the process, the Holy Spirit works in me and matures me. In the process, I get a front row seat to God's mission in this city, seeing God do amazing things in our church and beyond. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I, I, I preached this sermon, as uh, Michelle said last week, as Romelia has said before. I preached this sermon for my benefit. Because I, I have a heart that likes normal. I have a heart that tries to recapture normal. I have a, a mind that idealizes what things should be like. Church, you and I were made something so much more than normal life. You were meant to experience so much more than even the best normal you can imagine. You were meant to experience this life encountering, not just once, on an ongoing basis, the glory of God. I mean, this is the Son of God coming, dwelling. God, not praying one day, God, may I encounter you, may I experience this. This is God coming near and living, dwelling with us. This is, this is what life is meant to be. And yes, it can be really frightening to live this way. Some of you really know that experientially. It can be very frightening. Yes, it requires us to relinquish control over every detail of our lives. Something most of us are horrible at doing, by the way. Yes, living in the center of God's glory requires us to learn to be okay with an unpredictable future. And we will absolutely experience the sometimes very painful refinement of encountering the glory of God. 
and I will absolutely know and experience the life that we are meant to live. It is available to us now. Not someday. Now. The life you cannot find on your own, the life that resurrects in you when your old normal life dies and is left behind. This is the gospel for us this morning, church. This is an invitation for us this morning. Leave normal behind. However good you've imagined normal to be, leave it behind. Replace it instead with an ongoing encounter with the Son of God who has chosen to dwell here with us, among us. The glory of God. It's not safe. Certainly won't always be comfortable. You will no longer be in control of your life. But it is absolutely the life that you and I were made to live. Amen? Amen? Amen. Worship team, come up. Let me pray. And so I I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that this gospel would be beautiful and compelling to us today. I pray, I pray uh, that the normal that we've attempted to live would, would, would be exposed for the withering grass that it is. Would the perfectly laid out plan have for ourselves? Would they be shown for what they are? Would the things that we've uh, given weight to and priority to, the the things that have maybe even become idols, would they be exposed uh, for what they are? Would you you raise in us now, in our hearts, in our souls, a, a discontent with normal? And would you open us up? Would you encourage us to step to life of knowing, experiencing, tasting, being transformed by the glory of God, by the Son of God? I pray very specifically now, God, for those of us where there's specific things coming to our minds, things that we do not want to let go of, plans, habits, priorities, ways that we spend our money, ways that we spend our time, the the, the things that we've kept hidden in ourselves that need to be exposed to the light. God, I pray now for us as these specific things are brought to mind, these specific things that we have labeled as normal and good and attainable and worth our sacrifice. God, we need you to give us a a vision of life with you that is so much better than these things, that is so much more beautiful than these things, that is so much more compelling than these things. Would you you blow us away again today, God, by the promise and the possibility of living this life with you? living this life, encountering the glory of God, being transformed by the glorious Son of God. 
We're, we're, we're not talking just about our lives here. We're not just talking about how to, to be good people. We're talking about God. The God who holds all things together. The God who creates all things. The God who is waging battle on our behalf now. This God, church, is dwelling among us. Do not take this lightly, please, please. You have been invited to a life with, in, surrounded by, led by this God. Everything else needs to fade away. The withering grass and the fading flowers need to burn up, need to burn away. We live in as an Advent people between the God who came and the God who comes. But the promised church is that this God is present now with us, transforming you, bringing you life, calling you to sacrifices that you never thought possible otherwise, bringing healing that never seemed available otherwise. Creating community that all seems unattainable otherwise. This is possible now because God has come near. The glory of God dwelling among us, His people. So open us up, God. Take away our cynicism. Take away our pride. Take away our. I speak into our. Invite us to know, to experience, to be transformed in your glory, God. We love you. We love you for who you are. We love you for choosing to live with us, to dwell with us. We love, your, we love you for, 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 for preparing the way so that your glory comes. We love you for the fact that your glory didn't just come once and leave, but that your glory abides in and among your people. We love you this morning. Change our lives, please, God. Change our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Join me in this benediction. I'm going to read a couple verses from Isaiah. And your part is, here is your God. Can you say that? Let's try that. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, but you see, this is an announcement. This is a proclamation. So the next time you do it, is that, you, you get what I'm saying? Okay. Here is your God. Jesus, come to dwell, to live the glory of God among the people of God. When I point at you, you know your part. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, 
So go in peace, church, and know that God is here. Not out there, not someday, not somewhere. That God has come here to transform us now. Um, Please, please, information about the uh, food, clothing drive. Don't leave without that. Please bring it next week, all the items uh, that you possibly can. And uh, join us for lunch in the, uh, in, the, in the lunchroom. If you know about taking down our stage, if you are competent in that area, jump up on the stage after the service and give us a hand. Otherwise, we'll see you at lunch. Go in peace.